trust and obey, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And you'll find that out sometime, and you'll find that out either the easy way or the hard way, but there is no other way to be happy in Jesus. I want to talk this morning uh, about obedience. Obedience. And what it means to live a life of obedience for the glory of God. I believe God wants so much to fill us with his Holy Spirit, to empower us with his Holy Spirit so that he can use us in our world for his glory. I believe he wants to do that so much in, in your life. I believe he's excited about your life. He's more excited about your life than you are. And when I think about the church, my church back home in Cheshire, I've got the privilege of leading Titherington Family Worship Church. I've been there for the last uh, seven years as the lead pastor. Think about our church and the other churches in our town and in our area. Think about the churches throughout the United Kingdom, churches throughout Ireland. Uh, here's what I say to our people all the time. There's no cavalry coming over the hill. We're it. We're it. It's down to you and me. And from the moment of Jesus' resurrection where he commissioned those first disciples and sent them out, he told them, go in all the world, preach the good news, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you always. Our, our mission hasn't changed. Our job description hasn't changed. Generation by generation, the baton of faith has been passed on generation to generation to generation all around the world. People that you and I have never met, we don't know their names, they're just part of history now, but they've passed the baton of faith on generation after generation, living lives of trusting and obeying, trusting and obeying, passing on the baton of faith, passing on the baton of faith. And now here we are. In the year 2023, soon to be 2024, and, and it's our watch, it's our turn, it's our job to keep fulfilling that great commission of Jesus till he comes again. And in order for that to happen, it requires everyone to play their part, everyone to be involved, everyone to use their gifts. And I want to encourage you in that idea this morning. But it also requires real trust and real obedience. Obedience is not a word that we talk much about in our world. In our secular world, the idea of obedience is anathema. Nobody wants to talk about that word. Obedience? Nobody tells me what to do. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm my own person. I do whatever I want. I don't listen to anybody else. Authority, that's not, a, that's not a thing. Nobody in our world wants to talk about obedience. But it's funny, even in the church, we kind of let ourselves off the hook a bit. Do you ever let yourself off the hook a little bit? Come on, be honest, people of Morhan. You think, oh, obedience, that's one of those 
words. In fact, you might even be sitting in church today and say, really, Steve, I was having quite a nice time until you got up and started talking about obedience. But it is vital. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. There's that obedience word. If you love me, you're going to obey my teaching. And it was John H. Samis in 1887 who penned the words of that little hymn that we just wrote. Came up with that great line, and I think it's a true line. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. There's no other way but to trust and, and obey. One of my favorite authors, I don't know if you've read uh, Eugene Peterson. He's the guy who uh, wrote uh, a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. Some of you may have read The Message, and I had the privilege of meeting Eugene Peterson in Colorado several years ago. He's with the Lord now, and he wrote a book in which he kind of stole a phrase from Nietzsche and used it in a different context, and he wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And he makes the point that if we're going to really achieve anything for Jesus, it's going to require a long obedience, moving in the same direction, week after week, month after month, year after year of our lives, determined to obey, determined to obey, determined to obey. I've got three things to say about obedience in our time this morning. Just three ideas that maybe will help you, maybe encourage you. Now listen. In a church like this, I guess one of you, I wonder who it is, one of you is top of the class this morning. You are the best obeyer in Monaghan Elim. You maybe don't even know you are, but you're top of the class. Maybe you're doing great obedience. Maybe, in fact, you look at me this morning and go, Steve, you know what? Obedience, I've got that down. Anytime I feel led, I just, I just go with it. I always do what God says, and you are winning at the idea of obedience. And if that's you, God bless you. That's wonderful. And there might be others of you here this morning and you say, you know what? Obedience is like, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing my best. Giving it a go. And if you're honest, you go, there are times where I'm, I feel like I've, I've really obeyed and I've done what I felt God wanted me to do. And there's other times I've kind of slacked off a bit. And if that's you, my heart is not to judge you, condemn you, anything like that. My heart is to encourage you today to think about, wrestle with this idea of what does obedience really look like in your life. And maybe there might be one or two here today. And, and you might say, Steve, you know, to be honest, I've never even really thought about this idea of obedience. I didn't know, I didn't know that was part of the deal. I didn't know Christianity had obedience attached to it. This might be a whole new idea for you. And if that's you, again, no judgment, just encouragement that the way to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. Three things to say. The first one is this. Obedience is what keeps your heart soft as a follower of Jesus. Obedience keeps your heart soft. Romans chapter 6 Verse 15 uh, goes on to say this. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. 
Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Paul says that obedience is actually a heart issue. He says, he says, isn't it great? You were slaves. You were obedient to sin, but now you're obedient to God. Now you're obedient to righteousness. And he says this phrase, you've come to obey from your heart. Obedience is a heart issue. The Bible talks, of course, a lot about our hearts, doesn't it? says that we speak from the heart. That's where our words really come from. They don't come from our mouths. They come from our hearts. Of course, the Bible says that our hearts can become hard. Hearts can become hard. And I found as a pastor that sometimes our hearts become hard. With, when I talk to people, it's not always because we're bad people. Sometimes our hearts become hard because of the pains of life and the disappointments of life and the sorrows of life and the things that you thought would work out one way and they didn't work out that way. They went a different way in your life and the dreams that didn't come true and all of those things can start to build up within us and our hearts if we're not careful if we're not really careful our hearts just start to get a little tough hearts start to get a little hard you know one of the most beautiful things you can pray i think to the lord is lord would you soften my heart keep my heart soft keep my heart soft soften my heart i heard a pastor once say that in this life if you want to really walk with the lord you're going to have to have thick skin but keep a soft heart. Get some thick skin because it's tough out there. It's a battle, it's a war. But don't let your heart get hard. Keep a soft heart. And obedience is one of the primary ways we keep our hearts soft. Because don't you know, and all the parents here and all the grandparents will know this, there's a kind of obedience which isn't really obedience. It's sort of stubborn conformity. Do you know what I mean? When, you're, when your kids do what you say, but not because they, they want to, they're kind of obeying, but it's not really obedience. There's no joy in it. It's just like, well, I know you told me to sit down, but I'm standing up on the inside. It's that kind of a thing, isn't it? Uh, hey, let's not be like that with our walk with Jesus kind of ticking all the right boxes, doing all the right things, not because our hearts really want to, but just because that's the culture or that's what we're expected to do or 
whatever it might be. I want to be a, a, a person. I'm, I became a Christian when I was 11. I'm 51 years old now. And even my maths, I can work out that's 40 years of walking with the Lord. And I want to keep a soft heart. I want to obey him from my heart. Hebrews chapter 3, let me read a few verses out of Hebrews chapter 3 for you from verse 7. says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Be a person of obedience. I've got a friend, a guy called Brad, he's my best buddy, and he runs a charity over in England called Operation Orphan. And as you can probably uh, realize from the name they work with orphans around the world but one of the things they do which is kind of their their thing is when there's a disaster any kind of natural disaster if there's an earthquake for example in a country they've got a team of specialists who will fly to that country uh, because one of the things that happens in disaster zones is you end up with a lot of orphans and because of the wickedness of the world we live in uh, you won't I couldn't believe this when I heard this uh, of all the people that fly to disaster zones human traffickers fly there human slave traffickers go that's where they go and they'll find the kids that are wandering around in the disaster zone and they'll take them and ship them out so my friend Brad and his buddies they uh, they've got all these kind of agreements and they they get on planes within hours and fly to disaster zones and try and work with the government to round up as many kids as they can and keep them safe until it can be decided what are we going to do with these kids. It's fabulous. And I was talking to Brad the other day. We were having a cup of coffee and a catch-up. Uh, and he'd just come back from a country where there'd been an, an earthquake. And I'm like, dude, how did it go? He, goes, he said, well, it was intense because we had a real struggle with uh, both with the government of that country and with the like local officials in the city to get them to trust us and what we were doing. So I said, what did you do? He said, he said, I just decided whatever I felt God tell me to do, I was just going to do it. With, I wasn't going to argue about it, wasn't going to think it over. If it, if, it, if it came to me and I felt like it was the Lord, I was just going to do it. I was just going to obey. So he said, oh, if I was sitting in an airport and I just felt to send someone an email, I didn't argue with it, I just sent an email. Or if I just felt to call somebody, I just made the call. I just went with it. Sounds like an interesting way to live, doesn't it? 
How, I wonder how much time in your life have you ever felt God leading you to do something and you've spent the next hour or day or week arguing, wondering, thinking, trying to work it out, thinking through, well, if I do that, what will happen and all that stuff. I've done a lot of that, by the way. And he said it was amazing. Doors just started opening up, opening up, opening up, opening up. Favor, 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 favor. They got visas that they should never have got within hours. All kinds of things happened. He said, uh, he said, but you know the greatest thing? He said, I was in an airport. I can't remember the name of the airport. But he was in an airport overseas. And he said, I was still in leader mode, trying to figure out my team and the kids and visas and all that stuff. And he said, Lord, what do I do now? And he said, I just felt the Lord say nothing. Just rest. You've done everything you need to do. So he said, I decided I was going to obey whatever... I felt the Lord say, so I, I did. He said, I lay back on, this, on the chairs, put my hood over my head and went to sleep for five hours. Got some rest. Are you going to be the kind of person who obeys from your heart the call of God in your life? Now, I'm not saying, little caveat, just in case everyone starts phoning the pastor this next week, saying, I've been following all the thoughts that popped into my head and it's carnage everywhere. I'm not, I'm not saying that. You've got to learn to, to walk with the Lord. You've got to learn to discern his voice. You know how you start, by the way, if you're sitting there today, say, I've no idea how, how I would know that it's the voice of God. If you want to learn the voice of God, start reading the Bible. You don't start with the thoughts that pop into your head. You start with his word because the leading of the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like the Word of God. The greater you get to know this book, the more you will start to understand his voice. He'll never tell you to do anything that contradicts this. That's a good little filter. So if he tells you to bless your enemies, that sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? But if he tells you to, you know, I, I'm just making so don't give any money in the offering because you don't like the you know, the pastor's shirt or something. It's a very nice shirt. Uh, that doesn't sound like a lot like Jesus, does it? So you learn. Second thing, not only does obedience keep our hearts soft, secondly, obedience is the evidence that he really is our God. Obedience is the evidence that he really is your God. When I first started out in church leadership, a mentor of mine said, Steve, you, you only find out if someone's really following you when you say no. Isn't that true? He said, because when you say yes to everything, great, people will follow you all day long. He says, the moment you say to someone, actually, no, we're not going to do that, that's when you find out if they're really following you. Can I say, we only really find out if we're following God when he says no. We only really find out when we're following God when uh, he asks us to do something we don't want to do. Or he tells us to not do something we do want to do. That's when we find out if he's really our God. In other words, if we are going to pick and choose the bits of the scriptures that we want to obey, he's not really our God at all. He's just some, something up there in the sky, fingers crossed, and he'll 
help us out a bit occasionally. He's not really our God. I, uh, the other day, I composed an epic email. I'm telling you, it might be the best email anyone has ever composed in the history of humankind. It's definitely up there. My wife had experienced some particularly poor customer service. And they'd embarrassed her and treated her quite badly. And uh, I'm a very soft-hearted person, but if anyone picks on my wife, you better watch out. And so I said, right, I've got a way with words. So I'm, and this is the thing, the customer service person had said to my wife, there's nothing that can be done. And anyone in leadership always knows there's always something that can be done. So I said, right, I'm gonna write an email. And I, boy, I crafted an email. It was full of wit with just the right amount of sarcasm. I even had bullet points of suggestions of how they could improve their business and their customer service and how it would be good for them in the long run. It was amazing. In fact, I was so into this email. I, cra I actually went away from it and came back and edited it later. So it had a little more zip and zap and kapow. I wanted that customer service manager to know that he'd met the Parsons. We had dinner, and I took the dog for a walk, and I hadn't sent the email yet. And as I'm walking the dog, God spoke to me. And he said, do not send that email. And I said, Lord, it's such a good one. I'll, I'll just edit it a bit. I'll make it a bit kinder. Do not send that email. I wish you could have seen it. <laughs> but it's gone. Deleted. You see, that's the moment you find out if he's really your God. When he says no. First John chapter 2 says this, verse 3 and 6, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Let me ask you a question. If God asks you to do something, will you do it? If God asks you to do something, will you do it? If the answer to that question is depends, depends what it is, then you may have to spend a little time, and I'm saying this with no criticism, but you may have to spend a little time thinking through this idea of trust and obey. Third and final thing is this, that obedience is the pathway that leads us to life. All the, all the good stuff 
in the Christian life happens on the other side of obedience. Do you know, I've come to believe this. God isn't calling us to obey him because he's trying to give us a tough time. He's calling us to obey him because he wants us to experience his life. Parents, you know this, right? Have you ever had to tell your child to do something that they didn't want to do? And it wasn't because of your hatred for them. It was because of your deep passion and love for them. Or have you ever had to tell one of your child's children to not do something that they really wanted to do? And it's not because you're trying to ruin their life. It's because you've got a plan for them that's bigger than what they were going to do. We know this as parents. It's instinctive to us. Oh, how we need to learn to trust and obey our Heavenly Father. Because He's trying to lead us to life. In Acts chapter 5, Peter and the apostles are out there doing the business. They're serving the Lord. And uh, they're experiencing some real opposition. You, You remember this early in the book of Acts. They're seeing miracles and signs and wonders on the one hand. The Holy Spirit is moving through them powerfully. And yet there's a lot of opposition. And a lot of the opposition is coming from the religious rulers of the day. The religious elite. And in Acts chapter 5, they are arrested and they are warned sternly to stop preaching about this Jesus person. Stop preaching about Jesus. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, says this, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. That's their answer. We've got to obey God rather than men. And, and here's the thing. Uh, all the good stuff happens on the other side of obedience. All of the spreading of the gospel, all of the signs and wonders, all of the ways that the good news is carried out to the world happens because of obedience. I, um, many years ago, I, I sort of just started out as a singer, songwriter, speakery kind of guy, traveling around churches. And uh, I was driving down the motorway in England when my mobile phone rang, and this is back in the days when your mobile phone had an aerial and buttons that you pushed. Do you remember those? Um, yeah. And it was perfectly legal to use it when you drove back in those days. And so my, my phone rang, and I picked it up and I answered it, going down the motorway, and it was uh, a friend of mine called Ruth who used to help do my admin and my bookings and stuff. And she told me that I'd been invited to a conference on the south coast of England uh, to go along and go to this conference for a week and be the kind of singer there and sing songs in sessions and stuff. And I don't know, to this day I don't know why, no idea why, uh, whether I was tired or just a bit dim, I don't know. But I said to her, I, I don't, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that, T- tell them no, tell them no. And so we finished the conversation. And, we're driving down the, I'm driving down the motorway and that little still small voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit that we all need to get familiar with, I, I, felt, I felt his disapproval. Sometimes we call it conviction. Have you ever felt 
you've made a decision or you're about to make a decision and you feel a conviction in your soul. That's how I felt. And I felt God say, you will go to that conference. So I got back on the phone to Ruth and I said, change of plan, sorry. Uh, yes, tell them that I will go to the conference. And several months later, the date ro rolled around. I found myself on the south coast of England at a conference. And it might have been that I never knew why I was there. I was just there to minister to people or help or meet people or whatever. But as it happened, this conference turned out to be really significant. Uh, in one of the late night sessions, I sang some songs and the speaker who got up was a guy called Irvin Rutherford. He was a missionary in Asia. And we got on really well and he said to me, hey, I'd, I'd like you to come to America and I'd like you to travel with me and do some ministry next summer. And I said, okay, sure. And I ended up going to the States. And when I was there traveling with Irvin, him and his family had a family reunion. And I met his middle daughter, Danae. And I begged her to marry me. <laughs> she seemed to think we should get to know each other first, which I thought was a bit boring. I met my wife, I met my family in America because I went to that conference that I wasn't going to go to. Not only that, but back at that conference, I also met a guy called Steve, Steve Thomas, and uh, he invited me over the next year or so to come into his church a few times and do some concerts and stuff. And then one day he asked me, hey, would you move north? We're planting a church. Would you come and be part of our church plant? And as we prayed about it and listened to that, voice of the spirit we felt God called us to leave Cornwall which is my historic home and move north to Cheshire and we said to Steve we'd go there for five years and we ended up being in that church for 15 had a, had a blast that whole time of church ministry my wife and now my kids I can trace it all back because I went to a conference that I said no to and I am so glad that God didn't let me get away with it. And you will look back in your life if you will be determined to obey. You'll look back in your life and you'll be so glad that God doesn't let you get away with some things too. That as you follow his voice, that's where all the life is. That's where all the good stuff happens. Now, of course, there's pain. There's always gonna be pain. Trusting and obeying is not an insurance policy. It's not an insurance policy against pain and heartbreak. These apostles, Peter and the apostles, when they say we must obey God rather than man, do you know the next thing that happens to them? They're beaten. They're beaten. There's still the persecution. But I tell you what, I said this to the young adults last night. I think I said it last night. I said it one of the times this weekend. When I get to heaven, I do not want to walk into heaven in a crisp, clean suit with a pristine Bible in one hand and a pristine guitar in the other, delighted that I didn't get my hands dirty. When I walk into heaven, I want to walk into heaven in a tear-stained, blood-soaked clothing with a 
Bible that's full into bits in one hand and a guitar that's full into bits in the other, grinning from ear to ear because we had an adventure obeying Jesus. Anybody else? And along the way, we saw people liberated and set free. Come to know him. I believe all the good stuff happens on the other side of trusting and obeying. Now, if you're anything like me, you're going to pray in a second and finish. If you're anything like me, you can't do this. It's one of the ironies of preaching. I, I find this almost every week that I preach, that I'm telling my people stuff that they need to do that I know deep down they can't do. Anybody here, what do you rate your, what do you rate your chances this week? If you, say, if, you just, if you say to yourself, right, that's it. That's it, this week I am going to obey the Lord. How far do you think you'll get to Monday, Tuesday? See, the, the, the thing about this is that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us with this. I mean, I really want to trust and obey, but I know how fallible I am. I know how easily I can muck it up. Anybody else? And so here's what I have found in my life, and I'd encourage you with this idea before we pray, that the starting point for obedience is to ask God for his help. God, I, I want to obey you. Would you help me to live my life in such a way that I obey you? I want to trust you more deeply. Would you help me to trust you more deeply? And as we lean on him and rely on his strength day by day by day by day, the outworking of that is that we find ourselves trusting and obeying. One final story. Is everybody okay? I didn't ask what time the service finished, so... So, well, I've got the mic, haven't I? <laughs> One final little story and we'll pray. There was a famous uh, high-wire artist called Blondin, and he traversed the Niagara Falls back and forth. And uh, he was a, a, I mean, he was a dude. After he'd worked out how to go back and forth with a pole, uh, he, he traversed the Niagara Falls many times, juggling, uh, carrying, uh, pushing a wheelbarrow, he went over on a bike. One day, he asked his, his manager, uh, a guy called Harry Colcord, if he would, get on my back, Harry, and I'll carry you across. Imagine being his manager. And he carried him across. But here's, here's the Blondin story. Apparently, Blondin looked to, uh, the, there were crowds of up to 20,000 people came to watch him. And one day he looked at the crowd and he said, how many of you believe I can push a wheelbarrow across the Niagara Falls? And everybody put their hand up. And then he said, who would like to get in the wheelbarrow? And a lot of hands went down. <laughs> one, one, I think he must have been Irish, one guy did. <laughs> and he lived to tell the tale. Are you, here's the thing, are you going to get in the wheelbarrow this week? 
and trust and obey. Let's pray. And Lord, we, uh, we are so aware that apart from you, we can do nothing. And we depend on you and we rely on you. And so would you help us to be men and women who live lives of trusting obedience, no matter the cost. Jesus, you obeyed perfectly your heavenly Father. And it's only because of your perfect obedience that we're able to obey. And I pray, Lord, that this week, as we go about our lives, uh, we would not try to do this in our own strength, but we would lean fully on you, Lord, that we would look to your example of trusting obedience at the cross. Lord, thank you. It was because of the joy set before you that you humbled yourself and it became obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. May we live with that same joyful expectancy as you did. We ask it in Jesus' name.